It's Thursday, July 15th, 2021. And today we're talking about, is Canada's brain drain over? Float raises $4 million to launch a Canadian credit card. Canadian companies go on a shopping spree. And Algolux sees an $18.4 million USD raise. Let's get started. First, is Canada's brain drain over? Alex, what is the brain drain? Well, this brain drain is a mythical thing where Canadians that would graduate that had talent would go down to the States and leave the country. And so this mythical thing that never happened, uh, why did people think it happened, Alex? Well, because maybe you went down to the States and I went down to the States and all the people yeah. we know went down to the States? It, it was happening a lot in the 90s and early 2000s and maybe early 2010s. So it wasn't mythical. It was, there's a lot of people that left. We, me and you came back. A lot of people are still in the Valley, New York, London, China, wherever they went. And uh, so why was this negative? Why did people think of the brain drain as a bad thing? Well, look, if you believe we're not a natural resource-based economy and the real resource of economy is the skill set, people are viewed, hey, we pay all this money to public education, secondary mm -hmm. education, universities. These people get trained. They never get back to the economy. They leave. So A, costs us to train them. Then they basically tell us to fuck off and leave, part of my language. Um, and, then, and then we don't lose the benefit of these people growing other economies. So it was... Not, not a net negative for the country. And as you know, I, I don't believe in that uh, storyline at all. I've got a very different uh, understanding of the brain drain. Do you want to play You want to play devil's advocate and do the opposite of that? Oh, oh I'm, I'm sort of violently in agreement with you. Uh, but like, yeah. So what, what, tell me why you don't believe the brain drain is net negative. Uh, why is it not net negative? Why are we going to try to be protectionist about our talent? Our talent should go to where the opportunities are globally. They should get that experience. They should operate things at scale. They should grow professional networks all over the world or wherever tech is happening. And guess what? The value proposition of Canada needs to be strong enough to bring them back. And I have done this. I know tons of people who have done that. The value proposition of Canada is strong. Right. And so when people do want to start a family or they do want to come back to be closer to where they grew up, they come back. And not only did they join scaling tech companies, but they created their own. And those have been an unbelievable engine of Canadian growth. Right. Yeah. So this actually the question is, do you think it's over? This is something to celebrate. But my question is, why do you think it's over? Well, so I tend to agree with you because I, I left in return. And I can name a bunch of other people did. Um, so why do I think it's over? Um, there was a large report issued by CBRE, and they do this report every, I think, every year. It's a, they're a large commercial real estate broker that looks at North American cities and rates them on a tech – they rate them for tech talent and an overall city to be a tech startup or to build a tech office. Um, and they did – they released this report. This, you know, Axios picked it up, and it seems everyone was tweeting about it. But they actually – this year released – detailed 30-page report on the Canadian markets. They looked at 20 Canadian markets, and the numbers were actually quite astounding. Uh, the average growth in what they call tech with tech talent, and again, that's not that's not the administrative people, that's not the manager. These are like hardcore tech skills. In Canada, over the last five years, has been 22.5% on average, with several cities growing their population, their tech population by over 30%. Um, so, for example, Toronto grew by 36.5%. Uh, you know, uh, and the like, Guelph grew quite a bit. And, and so basically and how do these numbers, like how do these numbers compare? Like how do I understand those growth rates? Well, so, so I'll give you a comparison. Um, 
well, first of all, just so, so you can understand numbers, Toronto now has about 250,000 people. And this is Toronto, not the GTA, mm -hmm. 250 in their tech town pool, which is a growth of 67,000. And for comparison in Canada, that's equivalent to basically what the whole tech population in Ottawa or and 50% more than Calgary. But the growth rates, um, there was nothing in the States that grew as fast. Um, every city grew or most cities grew, big cities like New York and San Francisco grew, but you're New York, don't know if I have the numbers in front of me. I think New York grew at like 7%. Oh, here. San Francisco grew 16% and New York grew 7%. Right. So, and 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 New York and San Francisco still have larger tech talent pools than us. Mm -hmm. But we, we grew, Toronto grew at 43%. Um, the only fast growing city in the States seemed to be uh, Seattle at, at you know, a 35% growth to 185,000, still significantly smaller than Toronto. So, and, and this is what's the best, what, what's better to have the larger uh, talent pool or to have the faster growing talent pool. So, so first of all, before I get that, it wasn't only Toronto that grew, it was like, like you had Guelph grew faster than Toronto, you had Waterloo, you had Oshawa and you had Vancouver all grow about 30%. Wow. Um, so I think it's, there's a bunch and they actually, I like what CBRE does. This is not the size of the town. That's not how fast it's growing, but they look at a bunch of different metrics to rank cities. And I think it, I think there's something about what's the level of talent, mm -hmm. how fast is it growing and, and, and what percent of the population is and how, what of a network effect does it create? So look, I'd much rather be in a Toronto than uh, Guelph, which grew faster, but it's much smaller base because I, I do believe there's a density effect and network effect that helps keep ecosystems more sustainable, even if there's other headwinds. Got it. Uh, so can you, did CBRE declare a winner of the rankings? Is there like a top, is there a top city? Yeah, there was a, in, in Canada, the top city was Toronto. Then, then I'll give you the top five. It was Toronto, then Ottawa, Vancouver, Waterloo, and Montreal. Amazing. And what are the, what were the rankings in the U S what were the top cities there? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't, I didn't look at the overall rankings. I just looked at the numbers. So why does this matter? Like if you're part of the tech TO community, like, you know, are, maybe, maybe you're in Oshawa and you celebrate the fast growth. Like, do you think this is going to inform where people move in the country or where they should base their companies? So there's a few things. One, actually, as I think at the higher levels, you have 900,000 tech talent workers in Canada, making up 5.6% of the labor workforce. So that says how important are we to Canadian ecosystem or the Canadian economy across the, across Canada? We're about one, over one in 20 employees is some with tech talents, and then they also create other jobs. So it shows that our economy is shifting to more tech-based uh, co companies. So that that that's country. That's the first thing. I think what I think about is, is this, this just says, again, I do believe there's a network effect here. It believes that we're going from a natural resource, um, natural resource economy to a really talent-based economy. And if you believe tech is a future and is important for the economy, it's good to see this growth. And I do believe as you get density, there's future growth. But the main question to me is, is this, is this going to continue? And what do you think? Well, I, I think you should look at why, why, did, well, why did we grow? Uh, I think we have great post-secondary education edu institutions across the country that have strong programs that are graduating quality students. Um, lots of students probably stayed here more than they have in the past. Canada and U.S. immigration policies took different paths over the last half decade. Canada being more open, U.S. being less open. Uh, Canadian startups got a lot more capital and started scaling up, which we haven't historically seen. Mm -hmm. And and there's a talent shortage globally, which people started opening up offices here. So that was all reasons that we grew. So the question is, which of these will continue, which ones won't continue? And I think the biggest challenge is our immigration policy is not going to be competitive advantage anymore. The mm -hmm. U.S. is slowly reopening. 
and slowly trying to attract US talent. So I think that's one of the things that spiked our growth that's going to now decrease. I also think we have a tight labor market and the Canadian dollar gained gain in strength more, more or less over the last year was the most rapidly increasing in value versus US dollar, yeah. which makes our cost advantage a bit less interesting and talent advantage less interesting for people to open up offices here. The flip side is now we have network effects. Toronto's growing fast. Mm -hmm. Vancouver's growing fast. There's population there. So it's, and there's money going to startups. So now you can, people may choose Toronto because they want to work here for lifestyle and the quality. You, you don't have to sacrifice your career versus New York and, and um, San Francisco. Absolutely. Especially with the Canadian rocket ship list that we've put together of fast growing companies where you can actually get the experience on some of these scaled companies that people used to go to the US to get access to, right? And next week on the Canadian Rocket Ship podcast, we're going to be joined by Kevin Kleiman, the co-founder and president of Humi. Just this month, they made the big move to partner with Indeed to help improve the recruitment process. It is a huge win for Humi and for the Canadian tech ecosystem. You got to come and listen live to this podcast recording on Tuesday to find out how you can join the Canadian Rocket Ship or listen later wherever you get your podcasts. And then on July 28th, we are back with TechTO Talent. And if you're looking for your next career move or you're looking to grow your team with awesome talent, you have got to be there live. Get your free ticket at techto.org. Next up, Float raises a $4 million round to launch a Canadian SMB credit card. Alex, I got to ask, what's in your wallet today? Uh, wallet? Who has a wallet these days? It's all on my phone. Okay. What's the Canadian SMB credit card that you use for uh, your businesses? Oh, currently Amex, but I'm hoping to change that. Okay. What are some of the issues with it? Well, some places don't accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of fees. Mm -hmm. And when I want the team to be able to spend money, I have to either give them a card or lend them my card. And you think Float is going to be able to solve that? Well, I think there's someone better than me to answer that question. Awesome. So to tell us more about Float and this raise, we're joined by Rob Kazam, the CEO of Float in the virtual TechTO studio. Welcome, Rob. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, anytime. So before we get to what Float actually does. Why don't you tell us about the current round? Yeah, so uh, we're really excited. We uh, we closed a five million dollar round. We raised uh, about four million dollars of equity and a million dollars of venture debt. Uh, it was uh, it was it was exciting. We got to partner again with Golden Ventures, which had backed the business uh, previously at the at the pre seed. I know Golden Ventures very well and have been looking for an opportunity to work with them. Uh, Michael Hyatt was a really early investor, probably the first investor in the business who also invested uh, and is a really well-known entrepreneur and has been a great board member and kind of mentor to me since I came into the business. And um, we added Sousa Ventures as a co-lead, uh, great investor out of California. I knew Chad Byers there for years and was looking for an opportunity to work with them. And um, we had a, a group of um, other institutional investors and great angels uh, that have participated and we're obviously super excited to have everyone. So. But before again, great round. Lots of people excited to be involved with Float. Um, there was two co-founders, and you weren't one of the original ones. So explain to how you joined Float and why you joined. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an interesting story. I, you know, I had left Uber in 2019 after five years and was looking for the next thing to do, uh, the next thing to sink my teeth into. Let's close this. It's a little loud. Um, and I got introduced to Griffin and Ruslan in January of this year. And, and Jamie Rosenblatt at Golden had said, you know, hey, we think really highly of these guys. 
they're looking for a third co-founder and a CEO to come into the business. Tell us what you think. We think there could be a great fit here. And I, I got to know them over the course of eight to nine weeks. And I had met prior to that tons of founding teams, tons of businesses. And for one reason or another, whether it was the product or the market or the team or the opportunity, it just wasn't right. And I just immediately clicked with them. They are incredibly, incredibly sharp. I think brilliant entrepreneurs, very, very intense um, and have been working around the clock to build this business. And we just shared a lot of values. We shared a lot of philosophy and company building. Um, and we just hit it off. And, you know, given the product, which I knew well, I knew the pain points associated with company spending, receipts, all these things at Uber, uh, it, it just immediately hit and, and, you know, became clear to me this was going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity. So let's talk about why this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. What, what is the problem with the, the market and what's your product solve? Yeah. So there's, there's sort of generally two problems. One is it's surprisingly hard to get a corporate card. Uh, most people on this call may know this, but not a lot of people don't. You know, the vast majority of Canadian companies prefer to pay by card. I think something like 70, 80% of them choose card as the number one preferred method of payment, but it's actually really hard to get them. You usually have to wait up to four weeks to get them. It takes, um, you know, you have to provide personal guarantees as the owner, so you're on the hook if the company doesn't pay it off. You get really low transaction limits, and then you got a product that really sucks. And once you have them, if you actually get them, and I think something like 50% of the applications actually don't even go through in Canada, um, there's a bigger problem around just company spend administration. So you're the CEO of a company or a founder, maybe you have uh, 30 employees, uh, people want to spend on the business. Well, what happens? Uh, you, for most companies, they spend and then they send you an email or they send a, at the end of the month or at the end of a quarter, a, a, a true up in an Excel sheet or some Expensify report that says, here's how much you spent. And they spend all this time attaching receipts and going through it. Their manager reviews it, your financial controller reviews it, then you approve it and then you trigger you know, a reimbursement or you make the big decision to give them a corporate card. And now they've got sort of the keys to your bank account because they're going to spend money on the business and then 60 or 90 days later, you're going to retroactively determine whether or not they should have actually done that and give them an approval for it. And all the while, you're trading paper, you're taking pictures of receipts, you're sending SMSs with card numbers, you're sending slacks and follow-ups and reminders to approve things. It's just a huge waste of time and it's really disempowering to people on the front lines, the people that are actually trying on a day-to-day -day basis to get that marketing campaign done, get something rolled out so that they can achieve their growth plans. The way that we tackle that is from an accessibility perspective, we make it incredibly easy. Any company in Canada can become a customer of Floats in three business days or less. We'll get you set up with high limit, no personal guarantee visa cards that you can use across your business tomorrow that connect directly to your bank account. And then two, most importantly, is that spending experience, we make it really, really easy for teams to spend with Floats. So someone on your team wants to spend money, rather than having them spend on their personal card or text you and ask you for the corporate card, they literally just click request spend, I want to spend money on uh, work from home desk, you know, hey, Alex, we talked about it in our one to one sending in this request, it pops up in your manager slack, they click approve if they don't approve it, or if there's minor changes they want to make to the approval, like changing the amount of money you can spend, they can do that and then hit approve, you instantly get a high limit, uh, or, a, or a, like a, a virtual card with a specific limit tied to that request. And it's a it's a credit card number that only they can use that's only for that purpose and then instantly they can use it and the beauty is because you got the approval up front there's no need to extend an expense report yeah. 
So there's benefits like that and then a whole host of other things. So Real-time integrations with your accounting software and we pay 1% cash back on, on every dollar spent. Is, is there a wait list still? Because I thought there was a wait list. There's a wait list in the sense that there's way more people applying than we can possibly onboard at any given moment. So uh, there isn't a formal wait list. We're just constantly uh, a little bit behind. But in general, we're trying to meet with companies that want to come on board within five business days or less. That's really the, the target that we've set internally. And so far, we've been able to keep up to it. Again, you joined this company because you said it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So this is where you're starting. What's the 10-year vision? Like We're sitting down here in Float, having this conversation on quick takes in 10 years. What I'm going to, yeah. what, what's going to be different? So what's going to be different? Financial solutions and banking are going to be embedded in software. And the way that companies access financial solutions is going to be through software that's connected to their workflows. We think that, we think that spending in the future and banking in the future are all going to be based on software distribution model that's really easy, that's really intuitive. And most importantly, is connected to things that companies actually have to get done on a day-to-day -day basis, whether that's paying bills, paying employees, investing for growth, paying for their office expenses. Today, you do that through your accounting software, and then you go into a bank website and you trigger a payment through a terrible workflow, and then you connect all these jinkity, rackety things together. We want to do all of that for you in the long run, and we want to do that through great, beautiful, intuitive software that has a user interface and a customer experience that looks and feels more like using an iPhone in the 21st century, not like using a bank website from the 1990s, which is, I, I think, what we're kind of dealing with now. And so we see an opportunity now in the next five years to build a really, really great business around um, great software for companies that allows them to take control of spending, that allows them to simplify spending for both them, their finance teams, and their broader teams and uh, deliver great financial solutions, starting with corporate cards that allow them to invest in their growth without all of the headaches that they're accustomed to. Awesome, and I'm gonna, I usually say why I think this is exciting. Why do you think this is exciting for Canada? Then I'll give my thoughts. There's a bunch of reasons. I, I think, you know, candidly, Canadians, we, we always know there's better innovation elsewhere um, and we don't get it. Uh, we read about it, we see it and we don't get it or we get it eight years later and it's a watered down version and there's just some aspect of it that sucks. We're trying to build a world-class experience for Canadians, not just a good experience for Canadians within the context of Canada. Uh, we think that's that's really, really exciting and, and we think that it's going to be really relevant in this specific time period where more and more employees are decentralized. They're working from home. Spending is actually more complicated than it's ever been because everyone's working from home. Everyone's working remotely. People are all over the world. Having a system that makes it seamless, that makes it easy to spend is going to empower frontline employees to do the right thing, to invest for growth, to get their jobs done without being restrained by uh, you know, whatever old system their company uses or whatever limitations their corporate card platform of, uh, of date is, uh, is imposing on them. Okay. I got to ask one question then, because yeah. based on your first takeaway, um, are you going to, are you going to be, is Flo going to be in a position where people in the States start comparing ramp and Brex to you as opposed to the other way around? So, you know, start leading the global, you know, FinTech space and put Canada on the map. I, I hope so. I think that would be nice. I, I think the, the good news is this is a really large market. There's a lot of different directions that players can go. So we see obviously what's going on in other markets. We're working on a lot of innovation, which uh, we think is going to be a uh, good inspiration for those players as well. Uh, we're catching up very quickly. We've had a, you know, if you think about it, we started our company 
you know, a couple of years after those American players, we're shipping features on a weekly basis that, you know, they launched only a couple of months ago. So we're going to be catching up to them very soon and moving past them, uh, I, I think, in the very uh, near future. Awesome. Uh, Jason, would love to see. Do you have any quick takeaways? Thanks so much for joining us, Rob. Yeah, anytime. Take care. All right. Now, you promised before Rob heads out of the studio, he now gets to watch Alex's take. He said why it's important for Canada. I want to hear from you, Alex, why you think this is important well, for the tech uh, community. As, as, well, first of all, have you noticed that fintech is hot? Fintech is hot. Not only is fintech hot, but Canada only fintech is hot. Yeah, it's it's and, you know, and then the funny thing is we talk about fintech every week, but one subsegment we haven't seen a lot of activity in is SMB focused fin finance. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's historically been ignored by our financial institutions. Now I'll probably get a couple of calls from people I know working. Yeah, in you will. <laughs> uh, but but generally, SMBs have been underserved. And the good thing is we have lots of tech SMBs, so it makes it easier early adopters. And so mm -hmm. to see someone finance to make life better for SMBs is super exciting for me. I, um, I think we have all the elements that's going to make this take off. I mean, we've got some incredible incumbents from the last. Uh, iteration of tech startups uh, that are at scale, that are serving the SMB market with software, that are serving it with financial services. I think there is talent, there is know-how, there's capital that is all coalescing around this. Well, I also, I'm starting to hear rumbles of a lot of other SMB focused uh, fintech companies about to get announced financing. So I think this area is going to become super hot. Yeah. Second thing is, look, uh, the float founders are amazing. I heard lots of great things about them, but there's something in this market when you get a repeat founder or an individual who's super well-respected and was it a breakout company, it, it's 10 times easier to raise money. Like Rob, like if you ask anyone, and at least in the Toronto ecosystem, everyone's like, okay, whatever Rob's doing next, I have to back, I have to support. And so where I, was I, your my, check then, Alex? No comment. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, but, but, but my point being here is, Rob joining the company as CEO took a company that was ready. I already heard rumblings about the next round, people following it and made it one of the, probably the hottest deals I've ever seen in, in Toronto, or at least for the last few months. And so I think that one thing that's hard to understand, you've got a super liquid, uh, super hot market for uh, founding or yeah. for funding, but there's, there is still, it's not everyone equal. And if someone's, someone's senior for leaving from Shopify, it's all respected. Someone that's had another exit. Like if Jamie McDonald were to go on the market to another company, those companies can basically raise money from whoever they want basically now. And, and there's so much demand. And then uh. finally, um, again, as in the founder hat for all the you know early stage founders here, it's great to see more people competing for your business and innovating. So going back to what Rob said, the takeaway was, I love the fact that my job as a founder mm -hmm. with something like someone like float in the market is going to be easier. Uh, and what, a, what a visceral uh, feeling. This is, this is like a, this is a number one pain point that every entrepreneur in this country feels right away. You know, like, like from the very get go, this is one of the top complaints that we get on the tech TO insider slack. What credit card should I get and how do I get it? And how come I don't have a relationship with a bank and I need to have that to get this and I've got to put it on my, th it's just, this is what an opportunity. And so Jason, any additional thoughts? You are one of the early FinTech winners. I know it's a consumer, but early. I don't know. I think there's. I think we're standing on the shoulders of giants uh, that serve specifically the SMB. You know, at Wellsimple, we were a consumer play, still are. Uh, you know, with a consumer card that won't compete uh, here. And I think uh, Rob's gonna. Rob. Rob's well positioned, and so are a lot of other players to really shake up the SMB market. And Alex, 
if you love keeping up to date on the people like Rob and the companies like Float that are totally reshaping the Canadian fintech scene, you definitely have to subscribe to the TechTO newsletter. Alex, what can subscribers expect in tomorrow's edition? I think we might go a bit more in depth into the numbers from and the meaning of the reverse brain drain. Uh, we'll feature the profile of a great startup you should know that mm -hmm. may have not raised money, but will be hot one day. And the best readings, stuff to read from the web from the last uh, week. Oh, exciting. I can't wait. Next up, Canadian companies are going on a shopping spree. Alex, I know that uh, here at TechTO, we both love a good inorganic growth story. So I got to know who is buying what here. It's actually Canadian companies are being shopped um, <laughs> or purchased. So like, like, highline, like headline here. So what's interesting is this week, it seemed like an inordinate number of companies that have sort of established and had some, let's say, called traction were, were purchased. Ottawa-based e-commerce startup Canvas Pop has been acquired by uh, Colorado-based Circle Graphics, Vancouver-based Foodie was acquired by uh, Sodexo. Vancouver-based Ollie Order was acquired by North Carolina-based Next Glass. And the one company doing the opposite way is Waterloo-based Myovision, bought an Arizona-based company called Traffic. Wow. Okay. So uh, let's pause on that second one you mentioned, uh, the foodie acquisition. Let's start there. And I want to bring up a quick clip of Ryan Spong, the founder and CEO at Foodie at Tech Vancouver in 2018, explaining the basics of how Foodie works. You know, the, the reason why this is such a great um, uh, model for restaurateurs is that the restaurant business sucks. You basically have an hour to get people in and out of the restaurant. That's that black curve. And so we take all that off-peak capacity that restaurant kitchens have, and we ask them to make catering food. We show up, take it out of their hair before they get ready for their walk-in traffic. We don't. So, what's the opportunity here with the Sodexo acquisition of Foodie in Vancouver? And so, opportunity for Sodexo and Foodie is Sodexo looks as, as a strategic acquisition, and they're going to help give the resources for Foodie to open in more markets. Mm. Got you it. Know, okay, let's. You want to go through each one of the other deals as well. Well, well so maybe just you gave a bit of background on Foodie. So let, let's. Uh, the other thing you should know is they they were are, are operating in fourteen cities already, and mm -hmm. they had raised roughly twenty million dollars. So, um, interesting exit, strategic. Let's now go through the others, and then we can go to what the conclusions are here. So you want to go to yep. Canvas Pop? Let's See, start there. So I don't know. I actually purchased stuff from Canvas Pop in the before. They're auto based. They're founded in two thousand nine. And they were an online printing service that helped users to make their photos wall art. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple of pieces of that in my house. Um, they were, again, relatively successful, 450,000 customers across the US, Canada, Europe, and Australia. They had raised, they had bootstrapped till about 2018 when they raised $3 million from uh, Celtic House, BDC, and a guy named Toby Luque. I don't know if you ever heard of him. <laughs> he knows um, something about selling stuff online. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, they were purchased by uh, Circle, who I don't know much about. I think Circle's owned by a private equity firm, and but and they're going to continue to operate independently. So again, another acquisition. So we're the acquirer saying, "Hey, here's something that we can help grow that helps our business, mm -hmm. and it's not just a talent acquisition." Let's look at Ollie Order next. So Ollie Order, I'm the one I'm least familiar with. They they again helped independent breweries and wineries sell their products. They have they were started in 2019, so relatively recent compared to the other ones. They had Omnichill sales software platform for these independent you know, alcohol producers. Uh, 
they'd raised money from their founders and employees, no institutional investor, and they were acquired by this North Carolina company, Next Glass, to basically merge and expand the product offering of their product to, their, to independent uh, alcohol producers. So you've now got three Canadian companies all acquired strategically. Okay, but now we've got uh, what I think of as a market leader, Mile yeah. Vision out of Waterloo. They're the ones doing the shopping today. Yeah, and Waterloo, so Mile Vision basically helps make traffic move easier. Like that, mm -hmm. you know, and they help their customers and municipalities trying to get traffic flow better. They're not small. They've raised 135 million plus dollars to date. You know, but you know what they've never done before this announcement? Make an acquisition. Very smart. <laughs> um, and so they they bought TrafOp, which is a software only solution to analyze intersections and give feedback uh, based on the data. So um, sounds like it could have been a competitive threat. It could be another product they can offer. Mm -hmm. Traffop had and my vision. They did hardware and software yeah, together, right? That's so correct. you can so you can see how this solution. would work together well. Now yeah. you've gone through four deals here. I didn't hear a lot of uh, of numbers. Do we have a sense of the size of any of these acquisitions? No, um, no one's disclosed. My 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 rule of thumb is there's no numbers leaked because there's always numbers leaked. The deals were at best an okay outcome. Maybe investors made a bit of money, maybe a double, but this wasn't a ten bagger. Um, they were. The companies, my guess is the companies got good value, but not no no one's retiring millionaires from the, these deals. No, no new LPs and N49P. So no. what does this mean for the TechTO community, all of this acquisition activity? So first of all, you know, what you see here with the Canadian companies and even TrafOp, these are companies that had revenue, mm -hmm. had traction, but they didn't get to venture scale. And it's you know, not so basically you could build a company, you could be on the right track. But you may never have that exponential outcome. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's a good outcome for the for everyone involved. It's not a great outcome. It's not why you know founders, employees, investors invest in these companies in their time. Right. Uh, but it's still good. Uh, the teams understand now. Understand what it takes to get to build something for customers. They understand what builds revenue. And they understand what good and what potentially great looks like. Yeah. So my my hope is here. You have a lot of experienced um, employees and founders that eventually go start other tech companies, go join other ones, and help those ones scale faster. Yeah, good uh, time if you if you deploy capital to early stage uh, founders. Now's a good time to reach out to some people and let them know you're uh, you're ready to you're ready to back them once that vesting period ends or whatever that earnout looks like. Yeah, or you can make it worthwhile to just to leave know, to break those handcuffs. <laughs> and then finally, the flip side is I look at the MyoVision deal and. It's funny, like they're a market leader. And in Canada, I think historically our market leaders grow organically and aren't that acquisitive, with exceptions maybe right now of Lightspeed and Shopify. Mm -hmm. um, in the States, I feel a company this size would have had a couple of acquire hires or some strategic yeah. products. And I just love to see them start acquiring companies, not just acquire companies, but just to accelerate their growth, build their product up, and take advantage of their scale. And so I hope that we're starting to see this. This becomes something we talk about often on, on these uh, podcasts. Fantastic. Uh, and if people who are watching or listening want to join a community of Canadian tech founders, entrepreneurs, and investors who are buying companies or being bought, they got to check out the techto.org insider membership program. That's where Alex and I are there every day, answering questions, making connections, and generally helping grow the community. Alex, who have you met recently in the insider program? Uh, Irv, uh, just was talking to him. He's mm -hmm. Canadian that went to the Bay area and returned recently and he's building from here. Awesome. And I saw that his product was featured on product hunt today, which is yes, pretty cool. Did you upload uh, it? Absolutely.
Absolutely. And uh, that's a hat tip also to Ryan Hoover, who's been on the program uh, for making that happen. Next up, Algalux sees an $18.4 million USD raise. Alex, who is Algalux? They're a Montreal-based computer vision startup. Um, they're basically using AI software to help smart cameras have better vision. Mm. And what I mean by better vision is better understand what's going on around them and you know help autonomy. So what, what's the application here? Self-driving vehicles, uh, yes. retail installations? Drones. Yeah, any, right. anything that us understand has a better understand of what's going on around them. Got it. And what's the deal? So the deal is they raised 18.4 million, co-led by Forte Ventures and Drive Capital, mm -hmm. with participation from a long list of investors. Seems a lot of strategics. Uh, GM Ventures, Nikon, SBI Innovation Fund, Castor Ventures, Intact Ventures, and Generation Ventures. And of all the early stage deals that or 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 you know Series A and up deals that you like to profile, why did you pick this one? Uh, you know, I, I think it's at the crossroads of two technologies that there's been a lot of buzz in Canada that haven't really panned out a lot, like AI. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that and autonomy. Like mm -hmm. you see, like Element AI and Uber ATG were here; they were big. Both are no longer here or not no longer big. So this this company's been around for a while and they've been growing quietly. And the sun is scale. So it's, it's nice to remember that not everything has to start with a bang, ends with a bang, and then everything that starts quietly ends quietly. So I'd love to see Montreal-based company taking advantage of the local talent base, mm -hmm. going back to what we talked about, the reverse brain drain, and build something that looks like it's it's working. Um, when you get that many strategics in that size round, I feel like there's people see applications for it. And the other thing is Columbus-based uh, Drive Capital, who led this round, recently hired a Canadian partner um and it's great mm. to see him doing a deal in montreal i don't think they did a deal they've ever done a deal in montreal before and when they hire a canadian partner does that mean that they're focused on the canadian market or do you think that's like a global mandate just happens to be canadian this one i think is focused on the canadian market but it depends on the fund great so if if you are uh not part of algolux and you're reading about this deal or hearing about it on this live stream what have you learned about the market for uh you know raising today in canada what is the sort of takeaway for you for me or for founders who are watching this and want to raise? Well, uh, it's like we were saying, the market's generally good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the one thing I would have from this whole podcast is if you can recruit someone on your team as a co-founder that's had a, has, has won before, mm -hmm. your, your, your raise will go unfair, much better than, the, you know, than you think it ever would. Um, but, yeah. if you're, but if you're Algolux or someone else that's doing something that's, let's say, looks like a niche AI application, Go build it, understand your customers, get some traction, get strategics around the table, and it, it makes it easier to raise. Have a great team, have a great product, makes it everything easier. Have customers stay. It? It's not that hard. <laughs> Don't need venture, great time to take venture. What a week in Canadian tech. If you haven't already, you got to like and subscribe to TechTO wherever you're watching or listening. We'll see you on the inside.